And we are streaming, and I just want to say thank you to everybody who has joined us uh, tonight and last night online. And uh, come and join us tomorrow night if you can, or we hope to see you on Sunday. And you can give online. If you're watching us online, you can go to returnchurch.org and give there. There's a designation for missions, and so you can just click on that and give online. We appreciate it. Amen. Thank you for being with us tonight. So tonight we get to hear from Jerry and Rachel Witt. We heard a little bit of them from them just a minute ago and from their daughter, Rebecca. But we're going to get to hear a little bit of what they're doing in, uh, in Durango and then just give them an opportunity to impart into us as a church. Uh, the Witt family has a great um, legacy in, in Mexico, in Durango, Mexico. They've done great work there. Uh, their family's done, made deep impact in, in Mexico and into South America. And then the Hyman family, which is Rachel's side of the family, um, long line of ministers there as well. And um, her mom and dad pastored uh, family church in Channel View, Texas, just outside of Houston. Just a great family. And uh, we love the Wits. And their, their kids are amazing. Amen. Beautiful beautiful family. And so as they're coming, would you please welcome uh, Jerry and Rachel Witt. Good evening. How are y'all? Oh, my Texan is coming through. Y'all. Do y'all, do you guys say y'all up here? Yeah. Oh, nice. We're like the same people. Yeah, Rachel, my wife said, y'all know how to talk. That's a relief. Every time we go up to Wisconsin or up there, they're always making fun of me, and that's okay. I'm, it only hurts me a little. But uh, it's great to be here with you guys. I'm still getting a little used to this. I have not done many uh, preachings uh, or sharing in English. I've done it quite a bit in Spanish. So if I, uh, I don't know, if, if you can't understand half of the sermon because it's all in Spanish, I just like def went to default mode, I guess. I don't know. But uh, the good thing is I have my backup, so she can, uh, yes, she, yeah, that's a, has the gift of interpretation. So we are uh, Jerry Rachel Witt. We live in Mexico, Durango, Mexico, in the state of Durango. Mexico has this thing about naming cities and states after themselves. So we have Zacatecas, Zacatecas, Durango, Durango, Chihuahua, Chihuahua, all this kind of stuff. So uh, I was uh, <clears throat> born, I'll just tell you a little bit of, of who I am and, and who Rachel is and, and how it all happened. But uh, I was born in a missionary family down there in 1984 and, and uh, third generation missionaries. Uh, I. My whole life I've been involved in missions. I was one of the ones that uh, didn't want to become a missionary, swore I'd never become one, and here I am. I also swore I'd never pastor a church, and here I am. So I've, I've learned to stop swearing that I'm going to not do something, because it seems like it just goes that way. So, uh, uh, and uh, I started full-time ministry about 21 years ago, and I met my lovely wife, uh, 19 years ago, and we got married 18 years ago, right? It's like, man, I am on a roll. <laughs> yes, don't ask me how old are my kids or when they were born. 
I just know those four belong to me. That's all. And, uh, and since then, we have been working in Durango, Mexico, and is, uh, at the beginning, it was primarily with the indigenous community. And, uh, and, you know, God has his ways, and he changes your focus, and he shifts where he wants you to go. And so we started a church 10 years ago, and uh, now our, our focus is changing again. It's kind of going back to the mountains, but also helping churches and ministers. And so, uh, yeah, that's where we're at right now. I don't know if you want to say something. You sure? Okay. She said, I have her permission. <laughs> so today what I'd like to, uh, I guess part of what I want to um, talk about and share with you guys today, uh, the conference theme is great faith and, and uh, <clears throat> maybe piggybacking a little bit about the mustard seed. And, and so one of the things that really, really impresses me about the mustard, mustard seed is that it is in unimpressive. It is very unimpressive when you see the size, and it's just like, it's nothing, right? So I want to show you a picture. If we could put the first picture up, okay. So a lot of people, like, see us ministering, right, the, in, in missionaries or ministers. You know, maybe sometimes there's evangelists that come through. And we talk about great faith and things like that, and... Uh, Sometimes we even view that little mustard seed kind of like this, where it's like, well, it's this humongous thing. It's impressive, and it does all these things. And I think a lot of times we oversee just how unimpressive that little seed can be. But given time, you know, it produces things. And this is Billy Graham, and he's preaching to a lot of people. I don't know how many people. It is said that he has preached to more people than any other evangelist in the history of the world, including the Apostle Paul. Okay, so I would say that's probably the feat of all feats. For missionaries, ministers, anybody, we'd say, hey, if, you know, if I could max out a goal, it would be probably that, right? And I think uh, for some reason, uh, now, I, I want to paraphrase, or not paraphrase, but uh, clarify I am very, very grateful for these people that God has allowed to do these things. It is amazing to me that God has opened the doors for millions and millions of people to hear the gospel through people like Billy Graham. It's just it's crazy. I can't even, like my brain doesn't, can't even, you know, wrap around it. So, but one of the things that I have noticed is that a lot of times in church, right, in our church culture, in our, in our saved uh behavior, we make these things like the epitome uh, and the maximum goal of the Christian life. So we would, you know, we all see this and we think, man, that, yeah, I could never do that because that would be like the max, right? That would be like, you couldn't top that. That, that's, that would be it, except for maybe ministering next to Jesus, maybe, right? Other than that, that's like kind of the top, and, and the church raises these figures to a place of grandeur sometimes, I, I think. And I, when I say the church, I don't mean like the church leadership, I mean us as a church, you know, us as people. We compare ourselves to those situations, and we say, I don't know if I could really become that, you know, that's pretty, I mean, he's got to be a pretty special guy, you know, to be able to do what he's doing, and I don't know if I can do that. 
Uh, and, and not just that, but we think of other examples. We think of maybe a Paul, the, Apo the Apostle Paul, and we think about all the people he preached to. We think about Peter and the 3,000 that got saved, you know. And we think of evangelists this way. And we look at all the great, great things that happened. We can take that picture down now. The great, great things that happened, but we ignore the really, really small things that happened, you know. And so this is one of the cool things about a mustard, bean, a mustard seed being so unimpressive because there are there these little, little tiny, tiny things that are happening at the very beginning of everything, right? And I think that a lot of times this happens because we build or construct ideas that represent, or at least we feel they represent, uh, what we think life as a Christian ought to be, right? Whether it's a ministry or just my life as a Christian. And we create this image that is a huge overgeneralization of what life as a Christian is. It's just kind of like, right? So we would say, well, what is, if you could say one picture that describes Christians, you know, and maybe we'd pick that one. It's like, Bam, you know, it kind of fits everything. But it's just a huge splatter that it's not very deep. It's just a snippet, right? Even that picture in Billy Graham's ministry, that's just a tiny, shallow snippet of everything that is actually happening uh, through him and that God is doing through him, right? But it's, for some reason, those snippets because they're so huge, are what impress us most, right? Or is it just me? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe I need this preaching. And uh, so because it impresses us most, we think, well, this is what it should be. And we conclude that maybe because I can't be this, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do anything at all because I can't do that, right? Maybe we adopt these things. It could be that we adopt them from somebody else's worldview, could be about the church. Uh, maybe we get a glimpse of the Gospels and all the amazing things that happen there, and we think, well, we can, I can't do that. You know, so, you know, well, I don't know. I'll just, I'll paint this overgeneralization thing, and I'll be happy with whatever I can get. Uh, or maybe we see the examples of great men, and we think, well, since I can't do that, there's, I just, what, what's the point of digging deeper, right? Uh, I think when we see pictures like that of Billy Graham, I don't think any of us really, just in our minds, we think, I wonder what his personal life was like, or like dig deeper into his ministry. What was his closer circle look like? I think we just think, man, that's impressive, and whew, man, I, I can't deal with that. You know, just, that's enough. That was impressive enough. Leave it at that, you know. Uh, or maybe it could be that we have been taught that there's a, like a separation between the layman and, I don't know, people who have God's calling. Have you guys ever seen the Lego movie? No? I'm just going to tell you this just in case I, I do it later on. But there's this part in the movie because Legos don't have hand, like fingers. He does like this to do quotation marks. And he goes, you see my hands? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't go like this. So if you see me going like this, it's because it's an inside joke in our family, and I'm just used to doing it now, okay? 
You see my hands? So, uh, but you know what? I believe, I choose to believe, because Scripture says to renew your mind, and to renew your mind, it means to embrace what God has spoken. Am I right? So I choose to believe what Scripture says about us. I choose to believe that us as Christians, just like Israel, we are called to be a nation of kings and priests. All of us. Not just some. All of us are called to be a nation of kings and priests. I recall Nathan Thompson's preaching last year here where he talked about how a lot of times it's, we think it's about us. The story is about us, but it's really us getting set up for what's coming next, you know? And I think a lot of times we, we hinder ourselves because we think we are the story. And so when we see pictures like Billy Graham up there, we're not actually necessarily thinking about all the little micro stories that are happening at that moment we compare our story to Billy Graham's story. And we say, well, my story can't be like that. So, like, what's the point? But it's really not about you. It, it really isn't just about Billy Graham. It's about what God's doing in that moment through all these other people that are sitting there listening to him, right? And I think when we believe that it's about our story, we lose the small picture, the personal picture. And we have this great image generalization that this is amazing and everything, but that I can't do that. And, and because we can't become that, we lose these little micro stories that are happening all the time. And, and I think that's a great loss for us, you know? I think we're stuck a lot of the time thinking his story versus mine. And we do that with everybody, I think. What's his story versus mine? What's his story versus mine? But if we are able to take us out of the story, like Nathan was talking about last year, and we, and we focus on the message of the kingdom, which is Jesus Christ, then it, it becomes much, much deeper and much, much richer than just what is your story. There's a whole dynamic that opens up, and I want to talk about this dynamic that opens up, and I want to encourage us to see this dynamic and how this can affect your life with Christ and how you can do your part in the kingdom uh, without getting so uh, hindered by your own self, I guess is what it would be. So if you got your Bible, if, you, if it's a physical Bible, go ahead and open it. If it's not, turn it on, right? And we're going to go to John chapter 17, uh, verse 2 to 12. And uh, I'm going to read it. I, I'm pretty sure it's NTV version, the one I've got. So you can follow along. Um, if God only speaks to you in King James, that's okay. Okay? Or NL, oh, NLT. Sorry, NLT. See, I went to Mexico. See, I, I went Mexican. So it's NLT, not NTV. NLT. So here, I'm going to read it for you guys. And if, if you can follow me, that would be great. It says... Well, hold on. Let me say something. I want, I want us to pay special attention to certain parts, something that keeps repeating itself through this whole passage, okay? So he says, For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. Okay? This is the, the, 
the part you have given him. This is Jesus getting ready to die, and this is like his last prayer before he turns himself over, okay? And it says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and now that I came from you, sorry, I went to Mexico again. They know that uh, I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer, hold on, is not for the world, but for those you have given me, right? Are we still on the same page? Maybe you're like, Pastor, I'm like two chapters ahead now. Speed it up. Okay, here we go. Because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world but I am coming to you, Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destructions as the scriptures foretold. So what is really, just catches my attention here is that you would think like he would just be praying about everybody being saved. But there was these special ones that were sent to him. Now Jesus is somebody who went to the masses. You know what I'm saying? Like he preached to the masses. He did miracles all over the place. They say, the same disciples say that if they had written everything they saw, they couldn't fill out books like there's just no not enough pages on the planet right and and this man that went out to the masses is now talking about 12 people these are those that unimpressive seed and i'm telling you these 12 people were very unimpressive <laughs> they were <laughs> and that's what the gospel shows us is they were very unimpressive and to me, you know, we think about, well, Jesus is somebody who came to announce God to the world to save it from its damnation, right? And sure, he preached all this, but he says, my, my prayer right now is not for the whole world. It begins to set a dynamic. He says, it's for these 12. And now it's becoming personal, very personal, right? And And... That's what I want to get to. A lot of the time we think that ministry is just like this gigantic thing. Like we hear maybe Brother Jacob talking about Pomoja ministry and, and coffee in, Ken, in Tanzanian, I don't know, or Kenyan. What was it, the name? Kahawi. 
Oh, yeah, okay. He said, close enough. Anyways. And we think, oh, man, that's like reaching thousands and everything, blah, blah, blah. And it's so amazing and all these things he's doing. But in all that, and I'm sure every, every missionary that's here will tell you, sure, that is happening. But there are some very, very personal things that are happening all the time. And I believe just like this personal thing that happened with Jesus, he ministered to thousands. He had hundreds that followed him. He sent 70, but there were 12 that were really, really, really close. Just like him, like Jesus happened, I believe that happened for the apostles too. We have the examples of Stephen, uh, Apollos, uh, that was learning about this. We have Priscilla and Aquila, right? And I guess the, the best example is Timothy. We have Onesimus, right? He's in jail with, with Paul, and he's just somebody who he's ministering to. And he writes a book so, so that Onesimus is not lost, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's these little personal things that begin to happen. And, and we see this picture, and we say, man, Billy Graham, he's shown so far. Like, his, his shining was so bright. It just went all over the place and touched all these lives. But you know what? I'm going to tell you, the only reason that happens is because... He who shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. It's the only way it happens. It, it's not that you have to get that to shine at your home. It's that when you begin to shine at home with those closest to you, with those, well, 12. See my hands? <laughs> with those 12. Then you begin to shine further and further and further. But those important, unimpressive things are happening all the time, right? And so, sure, God sent people to disciples. We have those examples that I just mentioned. But I believe that God has sent those types of people to you and me. People who are meant to be ministered by you. People who are meant to be discipled by you. People who are meant to be encouraged by you, to be spoken life into. That he doesn't want for them to be lost. And I, I know we're always thinking about, oh, let's go out there and, and grab all the, as much people as we can. And a lot of times there's people right next to us that need to be spoken to that God has brought them because God knows that we have something for them. And a lot of times we ignore those people because they are unimpressive seeds. The tree looks really attractive. But this seed, no way. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I got to say, a lot of times we see the mission and sometimes it's disheartening. We see that type of image and we think man I can't do that there's no way I can do that but if we're able to shine close and personal and small then it becomes really easy so I'm going to give you a statistic okay the, uh, Joshua project says that there are 7.9 billion people in the world okay and only 1 billion are Christians so now we think man that's like what's Almost seven, uh, almost seven billion that need to hear about Christ. And we think, that's impossible. You can't do that. That's, that's insane. But you know, that would only take 
each Protestant, okay, this is not Christian, this is Protestants. It's not counting Catholics, it's just Protestants. It would take each Protestant to reach out to seven people and we'd reach the world. Isn't that insane? Now I know there's some challenges to these numbers. I know there's a lot of them in the 1030 window. There's a lot of people here, right here, that need Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Worst case scenario, you need to reach 10 people. Worst case scenario. So what I'm trying to say is that, yes, we focus on these great things, methodologies and whatever, and we're trying to do all these mass events and whatever, but if we could bring it down to that personal level, I mean, don't you think you could reach 10 people in your lifetime? I, I think it's very possible. Even if it wasn't 10, let's just say it was five. I'm good with five. If you can do five, that's better than zero. But a lot of times we think seven billion people, forget it. You know, I got better things to do, or, or maybe not better things to do, but I just don't know how to do that, you know? So Rachel is going to tell us some stories about how these personal relationships actually make long-lasting uh, impacts in people's lives. So I think that unintentionally, so I think um, unintentionally that we've gotten to a place in the Christian world where we're trying to create ministries. And I think that we're not concentrating on people a lot. And I'm just talking about in general, you know, I'm not talking about like this church is doing, I'm just saying in general, I think that we've gotten to the point where we want to create ministries. And I think we, I think the intention is good that we want to reach people and we think there needs to be a method and we think that we need to plan it all out and lay it all out. But I think we're missing the point. <laughs> the point is the people. The point isn't the ministry. So I think that we need to remind ourselves of what Jerry is talking about, about the personal impact. And we need to remind ourselves how important our daily life is. So it's not about going to church on Sunday and one time during the week, maybe. It's about how we live our lives daily. Okay? And, you know, we may think that that job is left for people who are called to ministry, but it's not. It's for each of us wherever we are. I think we need to remind ourselves about that. And I think that it's easy to get caught in our own story, um, or we get caught up in being busy, or we just don't stop to think about the influence that we can have on people who are next to us. And I think that we need to constantly pay attention. Um, we need to open our eyes, and we need to see people. We need to see the person that's in front of us. We need to stop thinking about all the things that are going on. Even, in, even if you have a job that's considered a secular job, there's people around you. And we need to stop and we need to look at the people instead of um, the job or the ministry that, that we're doing. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians 9.20, 20 through 22. And this is Paul talking, and he says, When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. 
but I do, do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. And when I read this about Paul, I realize it takes a lot of time and effort to understand people and to understand their culture. And he's sitting here saying, wherever I went, I took the time to be like them so I could reach them. That took time for him to understand their culture. So I could tell y'all about the Mexican culture. Uh, I've lived there for 18 years. And so there may be things that I even see in the culture that the Mexicans don't even realize because I had to learn it, right? And so I could tell y'all about it, or you could get a book and you could read about Mexican culture. You could Google Mexican culture and you could get the facts and everything. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't go live with the people and like have a personal relationship with someone in that culture, you're not going to assimilate to the culture. You have to be there having that personal relationship. And then I could take it even further and say, well, you might go to Mexico and assimilate to the culture, but every state is different from every state, right? Just like in the United States. And then I could say, well, you could go to the state, but then every city is different or every colonia or every little town is different and they have a different culture. Or you could even say, I could go into someone's home and their culture is different from the person next to them that lives next to them. Or I could go in a home and every person may have a different culture living in the home. And so do you see how this brings it down to this personal level? And can you see that you can make a difference and impact somebody's life? Because there's somebody around you that you've gotten to know them and you understand them, their culture. You understand how they live, maybe what they've been through. And God has brought them to you. And you just need to open your eyes and go, hey, this is a person that God has put in my path, and I need to see them. Um, so I have a picture here of um, with the Tepuan women. Uh, this was actually, I think, 10, 11 years ago, a few pounds ago. Uh, <laughs> and so we, I started going to the mountains with my husband as soon, actually, before we even got married, I went with them on a trip to the mountains. And then as soon as we got married, I started going to the mountains. And then uh, when I had babies, I would take my babies to the mountains with me since they were like four months old. And um, after a couple years of being there, I guess that was more than a couple, maybe like seven or eight years of going up to the mountains. Now, I still didn't speak Spanish well back then. Uh, I was learning the language. I did not know Spanish when I moved to Mexico. And so I was learning the language. And so a lot of the time I couldn't even talk to them and share, you know, just personal stuff with them. But uh, I really wanted to make a connection with them. And somehow God gave me this idea to take Dutch ovens and teach them how to cook. Uh, because even if I couldn't talk to them, if we were doing something together, we were making a connection. And I was like, oh, this is something I can teach them to do. They don't have ovens. And, you know, they would probably like to make bread or we made pizza. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And I remember um, 
one of the first times that I did a class up there, this was actually the first time this picture, with the ladies, I asked a, one of the Tepuan girls who was helping me, and I was like, what do you think? Like, are they talking about it? Like, what do, how do they think it's going? Do they enjoy it? And she said, well, they're talking about you. And I was like, oh, they are? Like, what did they say? And she said, well, they said that you're not like a Mexican, but you're like not like an American. And to me, that was like the greatest honor <laughs> that they said that because it was like, wow, like somehow I've gotten to them, you know. And back then, I didn't even really understand what it was. But after a few years, I realized, for one, I took my babies up there. To them, that was just incredible that my babies went with me to the mountains. Then that I ate their food and my kids ate their food. And now I've learned, even the last time we went up there, a lady told me, we've had people from outside of here come and they won't eat our food, you know, but we would sit and eat their food. And then I learned that because my Spanish wasn't great and their Spanish isn't great because that's their second language, they like weren't intimidated by me. And so kind of like my daughter was talking about, there was things that were weaknesses that I didn't even realize that's what God was using for them to feel comfortable with me to be able to open up their hearts. And so I think a lot of times we don't know how we can reach someone and we want a plan. And a lot of times there's not a plan. You just have to get to know them. There's a scripture that says in John 15, 12, and uh, Jesus is actually talking to the disciples, like Jerry's talking about when he's talking to the disciples in those scriptures. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. That was his example. Just love people. He loved the disciples. You know, he loved everyone that he, he, he saw people. If you read the Bible, Jesus saw people. I mean, there would be sins that would come up and all these things, and he would look straight past all that, and he would see the person. And that's what he's asking us to do, just love people. And um, if you want to go to the next picture, oh, that's just us doing the Dutch ovens, and then go to the next one. And then I want to share about this girl here on the right. Uh, her name is Cynthia. She's not a Tepewan. She actually lives in the city of Durango. Um, and when we started our church 10 years ago, she was there in the first service. Uh, she was actually already saved when she came to our church. But uh, we've talked a lot about how Cynthia has been one of those people that God has given us. And uh, when we started the church, we noticed that she was standoffish with us. And uh, we didn't know why at the time. But we just kept, like, getting to know her, uh, asking her to do things in the church, to serve in the church. And as we got to know her more and more, we found out that she didn't even like Americans <laughs> because of past things that had happened. It wasn't our fault. It was, it was just because of past things, she was completely closed off to Americans, and she just thought there is no way that she would have a relationship or learn from an American. And so all these years have passed, and Cynthia is still in our church serving in our church, 10 years. And this is a picture of her up in the mountains with me helping with the Dutch oven classes. So she has gone to the mountains I don't know how many times. So she's becoming a missionary herself. And then one of the things that she told me one day, which I thought was so crazy, she said, Rachel, I remember on one of the trips, and I think Jaeger was a baby then, I think it was him. And she said, and I saw you like, you stood him up, you grab this diaper, 
And within like a second, you had that diaper on and the other diaper off. And he was just standing there. You didn't even have to lay him in the dirt. And she was so impressed by that. And she said, I want to be like that whenever I have kids. And so to me, it was just so crazy that the things that we think people are looking at, a lot of times aren't what they're looking at. They're just little things in our life that's shining or being an example. That's not even spiritual. But it was something in her that was like, wow, this is impressive. I want to be like that. And it opened her heart uh, to us as Americans, that we're living, you know, with her and, and doing ministry with her. And, um, and then I just want to share real quick about Enedina is another lady in the mountains. We just went to her town um, like two months ago. Uh, we hadn't been to her town in 10 years, but she sees us when we go to the mountains for the trips because they'll come from the different towns to the place we're at. So she's seen us all these years and everything. But we were visiting her town, and she was so excited. And I had told her that one of the guys had said, wow, I'm so uh, surprised that you brought your family up here. And I told her, did you think that I was going to come and bring my family, or did you think that just Jerry was going to come? And she said, oh, I know you you don't go anywhere without your kids. And I was like, wow, okay, like she knows me. She was one of the first ladies that was in my Dutch oven class. And, um, and then she, she talked about, I think there's a picture of her. Was there one more picture? And then she talked about how uh, we were all kind of taking pictures with our cell phones. And even the young people there have cell phones, even though there's no service. But they have these little cell phones, and they take pictures. And she said, well, I don't have a cell phone to take a picture. She said, but I'm just capturing all this in my mind. That's not the picture. You can take that one down. She said, I'm ca <laughs> that's not in Adina. <laughs> Maybe I didn't put that picture on there. And she said, I'm just capturing all this in my mind. She said, I have one picture of you guys. And it's you and Jerry, and you're holding one of the babies in your arms. Like, that's how old the picture is. And I have that picture printed out. But to me, it was just showing how you can make an impact just by doing something, just by getting to know somebody and shining your light that way. You don't have to be a great preacher. You don't have to stand up here. You don't have to be on the worship team. I'm not knocking any of those things. I'm just saying that's not the important thing. Even the people up here, that's not the important thing. The important thing is who they are when they're at home, when they're at their job, and live in their daily lives. And that's what's going to make an impact for the future. So um, just to finish all of this off, a lot of times, maybe there's some of you that this is going to help in saying, well, this is a bite size. Like, I can take this bite, and that'll be good. But th there's others that were on the other side that, we're trying to keep performance indicator on everything, you know, like what's a KPI on this? What's, a, what's the method? And you know what? When it comes to relationships, like relationships are the most inefficient thing on the planet. That they are. But that's what the kingdom's about is relationships. And if you don't have relationships, then you, then you can't produce anything. I'm going to tell you, the, those 12 disciples that Jesus had, uh, they were very, very close relationships to the point what Peter said, hey, I'm willing to die for you. And I'll, I'll, he gets a lot of flack for chopping that guy's ear off, right? But I think he was really trying to chop a head off. And that guy, like, he was like, whoa, and he got an ear off. He was ready to die right there. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't like, oh, I'm going to surgically remove this guy's ear. Take that for taking Jesus. No, he was ready to die there, Right? And John is the only guy that's sitting there at his cross. And Jesus tells him if he can take care of his mother. 
right? That, that's that type of relationship that we have to foster all the time. Our pastors that we set in in our church, it, it, he's an older man than I am. He is uh, maybe in his late 60s, late 60s. I'm, I'm 30, 39 years old. Like, it, it, it took time for me to make him my friend, right? And for, for me to be able to grow a friendship and for him to even trust me, even, even me saying, hey, you can become the pastor for him was like, Dad, you're insane. <laughs> I can't do that. And to foster that into where they are now, it took a lot of time and effort. And, but we can do those things. We can do those things. And so you think, what kind of impact can this do, really? So I'm going to show you some, some pictures. And we can put that first picture up of the, of the guy in black and white. So I don't know if any of you know who this guy is. This guy's name is Edward Kimball, okay? He was a Sunday school teacher. And he took it personally to say, I'm going to make sure that at least one of these kids really knows the real deal about the relationship with Jesus Christ. And there was this one kid that just wasn't getting it. And so he went to his workplace and he spoke to him and he, this kid got saved. We can go to the next picture. It ended up being this, this man. Do you all know who that is? That's Dwight L. Moody. Okay? But that's not where the story ends. So Dwight L. Moody, he begins to preach, and he begins to teach, and he begins to share the gospel. And this other guy, his name is Wilbur Chapman, listens to Dwight L. Moody, and he gets saved, and he becomes an evangelist. And during his time as an evangelist, he reaches this next guy, which is Bill Sunday, a professional baseball player, Billy Sunday, okay? And when Wilbur Chapman retired from evangelism, see my hands, uh, <clears throat> he became a pastor, and, Will, and Billy Sunday became that evangelist, right? And so he started going around preaching and teaching and everything. And guess who got saved? Let's go to the next one. Well, who's this guy? Mordecai Ham. Yes. And he starts doing the same thing. He starts teaching and he starts preaching. And finally, we get to this one last gentleman. He's the guy that reached Billy Graham. Nobody thinks about that long line of people who took it personally to say, hey, I'm going to make sure this kid learns who Jesus Christ is in his life. And, and this is what can end up happening. Maybe you won't be Billy Graham. Maybe you won't. I, I, I know for certain I don't want to. That's a lot of stuff. You know? <laughs> but maybe you can be the guy that speaks to a guy that speaks to a lady that speaks to a lady that maybe becomes someone who reaches millions. I don't know. And that's not even the point. I'm just saying that stuff happens. That even if they reach one, it's worth it. Right. And so I, I want to really, really encourage you. Let's draw this down to the unimpressive seed of those that God has brought close to us, that he has sent to us has put them in our path. And that I'm encouraging you, just like the, the parable of the talents that he says, here's some money, do something with it. I think God is going to say, what did you do with this person that I brought in your life? 
Did you go dig a hole somewhere and buried them? Or did you do something with them? Right? And I think we're going to have to answer and say, Lord, you know, not one of the ones you sent me were lost. I, I brought them to you. I gave them your word. I gave them your message. And they believed. And they now follow you. And so I, that's our message to, today. And I'll turn it back to Pastor Chad. Man, I'm going to have Jerry and Rachel pray over our church, or over our people specifically. But I want to read this. Um, so, whoa, that's, how did I get there? There we go. This, um, I took off, we're, we're, we're teaching Acts on Wednesday night in our midweek uh, gathering. And I, I took off, uh, supposed to be teaching Acts, and I took off on this terror preaching. And, you know, just, this is downstairs in the fellowship hall on a Wednesday night. I just took off preaching on us as God's people being preachers of the word. And it was, it was on this verse in, in Psalm 68, verse 11. It says, the Lord gave the word. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Another translation says, The Lord gives the word, and a great army brings the good news. That, that's all of us. I'm nobody special. I get to stand on a platform on Sunday mornings, and there's lights on me, and there's a camera, and, but I'm a nobody. I'm a cowpoke from South Texas that God saved. And really, I'm nobody special. And our culture tell, it wants to say, hey, you're, you're special. You're somebody. But really, we're nobodies saved by the grace of God. And now we have this power in earthen vessels. If God can use me to stand up here on a Sunday morning to preach, he can use you. You know what I enjoy doing more than standing up here on Sunday morning? We, you know, we're kind of working towards this outreach in Louisville now and uh, making efforts towards that. And Coach Walter Collins, who coaches our boys in basketball, he came to our meeting about that outreach, and he wants to be a part of the team that, that, that's working there in Louisville. So I met with him at a coffee shop that I plan to make my office. It's right there in that area that we want to reach out in. And I'm planning to go there just a day a week and set up at my office, do my Bible studies, send emails, do take care of business from there, and just spend a few hours a week there trying to connect with people. And so Pastor, uh, Coach Walter, Pastor, he's also a pastor, but uh, Pastor Walter and I met there at that coffee shop just a couple of weeks ago, and we're sitting there talking, we're having a cup of coffee, we're talking strategy, how, how can we reach this community, what can we do? And I look over his shoulder, and there's a guy with his laptop. He's got a shirt on that says something roofing. And something just in me said, and I'm talking to Coach Walter, and I said, Brother Walter, hold on just a second. I, I said, sir, are you a roofer? And he says, yes, I am. Do you need a roofer? And I said, well, we might. And we ended up engaging in this conversation. And we ended up exchanging. His name was Reed. We ended up exchanging uh, phone numbers, and now... Uh, Coach Walter is building this relationship with this guy, right? That's, that's the simplicity 
of how this works. And I love what they've brought to us today. I, I love the challenge of this because that's where I want our church to move. I want us to be a mighty army proclaiming the good news about Jesus Christ. Not just people who show up and hear a nice message every week, but a people who are just seeing people. I love what Rachel said about Jesus saw people. Seeing people where they're at, not seeing their, their, their sin, not seeing their problems, not seeing them as nuisance, but just seeing people, seeing their desperate need for a savior and being willing to build a relationship, love on somebody, comfort someone, minister to someone, share the gospel with someone. Let, let's stand together. If you're from return and you would like to just make a commitment, just say, you know, Pastor Jed, I want to step out a little bit and step into this. Get beyond myself, get beyond the busyness of life, get beyond career, get beyond all the things. And just, I want to become a person that sees people and that's not intimidated to just reach out to them and to minister to them. And that, if that's you, would you just step down here to the altar? I'm going to ask Jerry and Rachel. I love what they brought to us. I love how they've ministered to us. I love how they've challenged us. If that's you, please come down to this altar and I want to have them pray over us. Thank you, Father. So I, I would like to pray, but as I pray, I would like for you to pray, for you to begin to communicate with our Father about what's been happening in your life. And, and don't just listen to me, just let your heart speak to him. So first of all, Lord, I want to say we're sorry for overcomplicating many times and making things so large that sometimes it just scares us. And, and you're just so sweet and simple to be able to see the hearts. Lord, I pray that your spirit, as it falls on us every day, and it's with us, and it's speaking to us, and it's guiding us, Lord, that in that same sweet way, Lord, that we would be able to see the hearts of people, Lord. That those that you have entrusted to us, Lord, to speak into their lives, to empower them, Lord, to prepare them and to send them out, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that you, you give us a love and a, a compassion and a heart and a burden, Lord, for them. That you burden our hearts for these people, Lord. Many times have we have sat in the comfort of our pews. And we know there's more to that, but we just don't know how to get there, Lord. And I just ask for mercy so that you can open our eyes, open our spirits and our minds to you. That like Pastor Chad said, when we feel you nudged, Lord, that we could act to be able to touch the lives of people, Lord, to guide them to you, to give them your message so that you can change the world. Lord, we want to be those vessels, Lord, and we ask, just like Pastor Chad also said, we don't want to be dead seas. We want to be vessels that flow. And Lord, I pray that this church would become 
that sort of vessel that you would pour and pour and pour. And as you pour, Lord, that it just overflows, that it overflows into their families, into the closest of friends, into people at work sites, at jobs, at maybe even theaters. It doesn't matter. It's just overflowing. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for your overflow. Lord, I thank you for everybody here at Return Church and everybody that's here tonight. Lord, I just, I pray that we would maybe take into consideration some of the people that have spoken into our lives and just realize that the way they spoke to us was just in a simple way. And for us to be able to see that we can do the same thing. That's not hard. <laughs> it doesn't take a certain personality. All personalities can do it. It doesn't take a certain position. Anyone in any position can do it because you've called us to reach people. It's all about the people. Lord, I pray for everyone here that as they're going about doing their daily life, that you would open their eyes to see the ones that you're bringing to them, that something would just quicken in them and just give them the, the boldness to maybe just ask a question. Are you a roofer? <laughs> Just a question, just to, just to get some kind of dialogue going. Or maybe it's someone that's already been in their life for a long time, and they just need to step out and start speaking things into their lives and realizing that that person is there for a reason. Lord, I thank you that you would open our eyes to see, that we would hear you, and that we would see what you have for us to do. Realize that you have called us, each and every one of us. And Lord, I just pray that as Return Church, as they're out doing their individual lives, when they come together as a family on Sundays or during the week, whenever it is that they come together, that they'll be able to share stories with each other, to encourage each other, that when they're in their daily lives, people are being touched. And I thank you that they would be an encouragement to one another and that they would be that army that's going out declaring the word over people's lives. Lord, I thank you that we would see the value in the person to our right and the person to our left, the person at our job. We would see the value that they have in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for all these things in Jesus' name. And I would just, let's just take a moment, and I'm, uh, I asked uh, the missionaries, I, I hope that's okay, if they can pray for you guys. I know, I, I believe there's something here because I, each one of us have been in your spot, you know, and each one of us have seen the challenges, and sometimes we feel inadequate and all. And so maybe uh, they can pray some grace into uh, y'all's lives. How's, is that okay? Yeah, and I just want to add that, like, we know these missionaries, and we know that they just live daily lives. <laughs> Even though they're doing ministry, they're just living daily lives like you. And so let them just encourage you and pray over you that you're going to be able to do the same thing where God has called you to be.